Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I think I got sunstroke. Uh, I do. I think I got like all kind of sunstroke from yesterday's unbelievable golf outing. Welcome. It's Don't At Me. And as we start this, I'm going to go through a, um, I'm probably going to cry because yesterday was a day like no other. I mean, we talked about it early. You know, a takedown of Dockage in the Indy Star. And that's cool. Got to do what you got to do. But all of a sudden, I go out to my golf outing. Just happens to be on the same day, this takedown. And magical things happen. And I got to talk about 144 golfers in this economy with this president filled our field yesterday. And we're going to show, as, uh, as we go through this, we're going to show some of the... Um, I don't know. I got to move over to my right a little bit. We're going to show some of the pictures from it, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to set the scene for you. 124 golfers paid money, a lot of money per golfer to play in our golf outing. And there were some incredible, and I do mean incredible moments in this. I mean to tell you, like, see this envelope? This envelope right here contains $6,000, $6,000. There's checks. Let's see, $3,200 in this check, another $700 in another one. You know what this is for? This is from people that showed up at my golf outing. This is from people that in this economy wanted to help my wife and I give bikes to kids. A program that was called me using them as a human shield by the media yesterday. We're so passionate about this bikes program that for most of it, we use, we use money out of our own pocket to pay for it. We're so passionate about all this um, that we have people that just simply can't wait to come. I didn't ask for any money. I didn't ask for a dime at this outing. This outing was for something else. This outing is to help people prevent getting cancer, my Franciscan. But in this envelope was six thousand dollars at two hundred and fifty dollars a bike i'm gonna let you all figure out how many bikes i can get i'm not a math guy people just came up to me hey dan sorry what you're going through not going through nothing not going through nothing man i'm living right now the last few days with a beautiful woman and her beautiful daughter who are fighting dementia that's going through something And the last few days we have had, uh, well, outings by the pool, euchre games with this beautiful woman. And every morning when we wake up, we start it all over again. That's going through something. Some guy writing an article about me, who cares? That's going through nothing. But I got to tell you, there's a man... I got to give you his name. His name is Bob Stansberry. Bob Stansberry came up to me at my high school baseball state final a couple years ago, handed me 200 bucks, just handed it to me at a baseball game. He goes, Dan, I know you're real. I know this will get to the right place. Buy a bike. 
Bob Stansberry yesterday gave me four grand. Bob Stansberry walked up to my golf hole and gave me four grand for bikes, for kids. I'm going to cry because that's what real people are. Real people are 144 people yesterday that showed up at a golf outing to honor my father, actually just to have fun. And most of them, I shook everyone's hand, hit golf balls with every single person there. And we talked about all kinds of different things. We talked about, for example, my friend Reggie Jones. Now, this is my life. <clears throat> Reggie has a group. Reggie texted me the night before. said, hey, man, if it rains, I ain't wearing pink. Can't wear pink when it rains. Brother can't wear pink when it rains. Didn't rain. He wore pink. He showed up with whom? One of his, <laughs> one of his buddies. He calls him. A Blurbian, which is a black Serbian. Other guy, big old dude, he called him JD3. John Daly III. He was a pretty big African-American man. The fourth guy in the group was a white guy. You know what they called him? The token. Reggie comes up loud, because I'm loud, he's loud, walks right by me, Throws me an insult that is uh, bluer than anything we want to talk about. I laugh. Throws two insults at my buddy, my former producer, Kyle. Goes right and gives my mom a kiss. My 86-year-old mother. And it's on, baby. And it's awesome. My, one of the great moments for me was my 86-year-old mother and her 89-year-old friend standing, sitting, hanging, drinking, laughing, eating. At my golf hole. What I do is on the 17th hole, it's a par three. All the sponsors come and we, we'll get to what, those guys in a minute. But we hit shots forever. You guys can play some of the pictures if you don't mind. We hit shots and do shots occasionally with them. My mom, 86. I'm going to get to that guy in a minute, Larry. My mom at 86 and her friend Ted hung out all day. Had the time of their lives. My man Reggie Jones walked right by me, threw me three things, and <laughs> gave her a kiss. What a great day. Kevin Paschke and the man you saw in that picture, Larry Payton. I'm going to get to these guys. These guys are awesome. The man you saw in that picture, Larry Payton, has beaten cancer. Larry Painter has beaten cancer. He started the Coachman, which is a great restaurant in Plainfield, Indiana. Larry comes over with my friend Kevin Paschke every year. Sets up, no advertising, just sets up a grill and cooks sliders for 144 people. Actually, it turns out to be more than 200 people. Does it because he likes us, it, the, I don't know. My buddy Kevin Paschke started the whole thing on our hole. He serves, that's Larry right there. That's me on the left, Larry on the right. Larry cooks him up. Last year, he ran out. This year, first time when I drove up. I ain't running out this year. My man Got better things to do than come out for five, six hours schlepping sliders to people, and he does it because he says it's a blast. His partner in crime, Kevin Paschke, not only schlepped sliders, but he gets out there and he tries to raise money for us. My friends at Moondrops Distillery, serving drinks all day. There were some great things. How about my wife? My wife, Lee. Now, you know, things affect you, right? Things affect you. Your wife gets affected. She's just laughing all day. She knows it's going to be a great day. Her thing is, why do we pay attention to people that don't like us and people and to, and instead to people that do? She's sitting there on the hole. She don't want to sit there all day, so she's going around with groups, being the first lady of the outing. 
comes back to our hole. I go, Lee, let's go. You're up. Takes a seven iron, 139 yards, puts it this close to the hole, closest to the pin. How about that? How about my man, Bruce Clark? Bruce Clark came all the way from New York, brought me socks, said I need socks. He came as part of a fraternity trip. So he and his fraternity brothers, you know what they did? They just came. They had a blast. How about my boys now? My high school buddies, Brian Piller, Greg Bozak, Billy Parks, Billy Mueller. They drove three hours just to come down, play a little golf with their buddy. Had three different sets of high school buddies there. My guy, my guy Greg Bozak, the silent auction, or the auction was going slow. So what does he do? He buys a Larry Bird picture for $500. These things mean something to me. These things tell me that, you know what? Life is good, baby. Life is good. How about my high school baseball coach, Dave Pisker? Dave Pisker had a bad back. Dave Pisker is the winningest high school coach in the state of Indiana. Dave Pisker has won eight state championships. Dave couldn't play, but you know what he did? He showed up. Dave was in my first wedding. I was on his first baseball team when he became the head coach at Andrean. He brought his son, Ryan, or excuse me, Mark, who I remember being born. Brought a couple of others, our our guy, Dave O'Connell from our high school, and just had a blast. And DP, he just chilled and hung. How about the 30 volunteers from my company, Emmis? laughing, having fun, driving carts, driving beer carts, playing golf, getting dinner set up. There's a lady named Trisha Wicks. I'm giving her a hundred bucks just because she was working. She's a promotions director. It was unbelievable what I saw yesterday. My brother, when I need something, I call my brother. Hey, Tommy D. Yay. Ouch. Saw an article on you again. Yeah. My brother comes out, buys a foursome brings all kind of stuff, charms everybody, speaks to the crowd before. My guy, Eddie White, you think I tell off-color jokes? Eddie White came out ripping. He's vice president of the Pacers. Eddie Gill was with. It was one of those days that I got to tell you, I want to express gratitude. Yesterday was love, total love. Guys brought the Indy Star. You know what they did with it. I didn't ask anybody to do anything. They brought the Indy Star, they went behind a tree, and you know, they did what you should do with things. I didn't ask anybody to do anything. I just said, and my company said, we're going to have a golf outing. It's our 12th annual. We're going to honor my father. Now, my father's only been dead eight years, and it's a 12th annual memorial golf outing. So that is, I don't know the right word, a little morbid, but what the hell? That's how we roll. But I have gratitude for all you people. I sat there yesterday in amazement. Nick, the videographer, there's a video of Nick. He goes, hey, I got Shot Tracer for you. I didn't ask Nick to have Shot Tracer. He's our Emma social media guy. He brought up Shot Tracer for a golf outing. There's one on Twitter showing me, and while I'm yelling at him, because when you, all I do, everybody on my hole gets a birdie, so I hit a million shots. Yesterday was about love. Today is about appreciation. Let's learn to appreciate Jamie, my friend who's around the corner here with her mother who's battling dementia. Jamie's taking care of her. Jamie felt like she needed a change of scenery, so she brought her beautiful mother here. We played euchre. We played all kind of different, connect four. We've sat by the lake. We sat outside yesterday. 
She's full of spunk, but she is battling dementia. Man, do I appreciate Jamie. Man, do I, I'm gonna cry. Man, do I appreciate my wife and family. Man, do I appreciate those folks. Man, do I appreciate the 144 people that paid about $200 a pop in this economy to come play golf with no great prizes. Our outing isn't fancy. Drink some beers, eat some food, drink some Diet Cokes, do whatever you want, have a great time. And they came out, man. I appreciate my mom, 86 years old. She's riding out on the cart, waving. I got video of it. I appreciate her friend, Ted. Her friend, Ted, 89 years old. He's my mom's friend. They take care of each other. He's sitting there all day. You just play football at Utah. It's amazing the difference between people that actually played and people that didn't and their view on the world. Ted is like, hey, give me that club. Anybody got a cigar? Appreciate my friends at Moondrops. Appreciate my friends at Michelis. They're the ones that started. There's a big tent out there. I asked the guy, hey, you see the article? His words I'm not going to repeat on here. Man, do I appreciate people. Man, do I appreciate a guy coming from New York City, driving out because he listens to the show. Man, do I appreciate my high school friends. God, do I appreciate my high school coach. Damn, do I appreciate Reggie Jones coming in sixth with a guy named Blurbian, JD3, and of course, the token. Now, you know what the, co- the token did. <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you. It'll end up in an article somewhere with me laughing at it. And, of course, Bob Stansberry and all the people that did not have to do this, man. They didn't have... They didn't have to drop six grand on me. They didn't have to show up and say, Dan, if you weren't real, we wouldn't do this. They didn't have to do that. I'm crying. That's who I am. I get emotional. I've already apologized for any transgression that I made. I mean, if I screw up, I apologize. But I got to tell you, I don't even care about that. Let's start doing this. Let's start paying attention to the people that love you and less attention to the haters. Less attention to the people that hate you. Speaking of love, I got to talk about Home Run Derby yesterday. I'm looking at Albert Pujols, and I'm thinking to myself, damn, what a guy. What a gentleman. What respect. See, Albert Pujols was the best hitter in baseball. A lot of you don't remember that, but Albert Pujols went over, went over to the uh, um, Los Angeles Angels. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Albert Pujols actually did not do well. He got plantar fasciitis, which I've had. Now, you talk about crying. Holy cow. I mean, it is painful as hell. It is. But Albert Pujols yesterday, when he came out and had a first-round battle with Kyle Schwarber, the respect for the man, the love for the man, the class the man has, was unbelievable. You know, I watched a um, I watched a race Saturday night. Lee and I just happened to have the TV on. It was about 10:30. There was a hurdler, and I don't blame the hurdler, but there, when you get older, you just know the hurdler won the hurdles race and you know started thumping his chest, doing this phone call thing, all this stuff. And the hurdler's great, good for him. But man, I saw Roy McElroy. Albert Pujols and Tiger Woods this weekend. 
I saw Roy McElroy handle disappointment better than anybody that you're ever going to see handle disappointment. I saw Tiger Woods march into old age, right? When you do that stance on the bridge at St. Andrews, it's kind of your march into old age in golf, right? And then I saw the love and respect of Albert Pujols that players had. Are you kidding me? Are you me? Did you see the reaction that they had to Albert Pujols? Did you see the love that folks had to Albert Pujols? Now that's class. And that's something that no guy, no writer, no hater is ever going to find. None. Ever. And that drives him nuts. But Albert Pujols, man, I got to tell you, the dude was unbelievable. And everybody loved him. Not some guys, not a few people, I mean everybody. And I got to tell you, again, I appreciate, I have gratitude to watch people like that. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods was a pain in the ass. Everybody knows Tiger Woods was a pain in the ass. It's well documented. But aren't pains in the ass the most interesting? Aren't people that, I don't know, have a little bit of something, something to them that blanks the normal people off. Aren't they the most interesting? I got to tell you, Tiger Woods, he's interesting. And when he stood up there, it was fascinating. And I was glad that Tiger Woods had that moment. And I was glad that Albert Pujols had that moment. Now, I'm also saying this. I'm not so sure, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not so sure that Kyle Schwarber did not throw off. He threw off for a little bit, and then he got it going. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. If you tell me I'm wrong, I'll probably uh, say you're right. But the truth of the matter is this. I appreciated what I got to see last night. I appreciated in a big way. Albert Pujols is awesome. I'm kind of going off script here. Let me go to something else now. Why Soto turned down $440 million? Do you know this? He turned down $440 million, and what did he do yesterday? He won the home run contest. Do you remember this about Juan Soto? Do you remember when the Nationals won the World Series? He was like 15 years old. I know he's probably 20, 21, whatever he was, and hitting bombs. That dude comes up big in big moments. That dude's betting on himself. You turned down, my wife and I were driving to the golf course yesterday, and we were talking about it, $440 million. Think about it. $440 million he turned down. That's betting on yourself. Are you kidding me? That's insanity. Insane. What are we talking about? It's nuts. But he did it. He bets on himself. And he added to a legacy. And I got to tell you, probably the right guy won, right? I mean, it feels like it. It kind of feels like the right guy got it done because, I don't know, he feels like the right guy. He's the young and up-and-comer. He's the young, strong guy. He's won a title already. Good for him. I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but CBS, Dennis Dodd, has a report that says Notre Dame is targeting $75 million annual media rights payout in a quest to remain independent. 
So Notre Dame would like to remain independent. If it can earn at least $75 million annually in media rights revenue from current broadcast partner NBC, the deal expires the 25th, or excuse me, 2025. Woo! For NBC to feel comfortable doing this, apparently, now this makes sense to me. I just want to make sure I have this right. It's seeking shoulder programming which in this case is games played before and or after Notre Dame's games, meaning you have a lead-in game, you have a game after, but they got to be Power 5 conferences. Now, obviously, they want the Big Ten to be involved. Obviously, the Big Ten is the plum. The Big Ten is expected to announce, listen to this, $1 billion in media rights as early as this month with our guys here at Fox as the primary partner. How about that? That's unbelievable. Don't know what's going to happen, but we all know that Notre Dame, its name keeps coming up time and time and time again. They want 75 mil. That's all. One school, 75 mil. Um, Listen to this. Because of the value of the Big Ten's next deal, it's estimated that 80 million to $100 million annually will be given to each member. It was thought Notre Dame had a generational decision to make as to whether it should remain independent. The current deal averages for Notre Dame $15 million, but it's earning $22 this coming year as the deal was backloaded. So there you go. You want to know what this is about? Look no farther. Of course this is about money. Of course. It should be, too. I mean, once you're going to go to money, let's just go to money. All right? Notre Dame could make more money playing in the Big Ten. Who'd have thunk it? So maybe it's not about money. Maybe it's not. Maybe for Notre Dame, it's about our independence, our ability to stay true to who we are. That would be refreshing. I mean, I don't know one school out there, let's be honest. There isn't one school in the Big 12, in the Pac-10, that would stay in either of those leagues for less money, period. I like Bedlam. I like Bedlam in my life. I like Bedlam all over the place. I think Bedlam's great. I like Oklahoma playing Oklahoma State in football. I do. I like it. Brett Venables is saying this. Listen to this. He's the Oklahoma State coach. No, I'm sorry. He's the Oklahoma coach. My bad. He's saying it's an incredibly important game. It's got a long history and tradition over 100 years. Regardless of where the schools have been, it's important from a foundational standpoint. You've got to have some state of some hate in your heart for your rival. And he's right. He's, of course he's right. Are you nuts? He's absolutely right. You've got to have some hate in your heart for your rival. You got to have traditions like that. Remember Gundy yesterday, we played it. Gundy said, man, traditions are leaving. Here's what Gundy said. Bedlam's history. Bedlam's not going to be Bedlam when they leave the conference. That's it. Now, when he says Bedlam's history, all right, does he mean it's no more? On the surface, I would say he's meaning that's done. However, I think what he said after that clears him a little bit. Bedlam is not going to be Bedlam when they win the conference. Does he mean we're not going to play the game? He could. 
does he mean it'll be played, but it's not going to be the same thing based on what Venable said about hate in your heart. I don't know. Now, I'm trying to read the tea leaves here, and I'm not sure. But it is going to be interesting because those are the things that you have to look at in college football. Basketball, you got Duke, Carolina. You got you still have them. You still have them even though you're in conferences. You got to have these conferences breaking up. These conferences breaking up in football are going to be very interesting how they play their rival games. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We're going to come back. I got five sports, all right? I've got five sports that aren't sports. My top five sports that aren't sports. Does that make any sense? I think it does. Now, don't be coming to my house trying to break in here because I got 6K for my bikes program. Don't be doing that. This bad boy is going right downtown with me to do my noon show. It's going right to the Indiana Sports Corp. Don't accost me. Don't do it. But do stay here. I got five sports. There's, a, there's not... There's a lot of sports that aren't sports. You ever see strongman contests? I'll get into that when we come back. Yeah! Thank you. Today, gratitude. Yesterday, so much love. I could never repay you 144, you 30 volunteers, you friends of mine that work at the golf course. I had a guy, listen to this. I had a guy, every year he looks forward to it. 12 straight years. I show up at the 17th hole. I do the introductions. I show up at the 17th hole. You know what's there waiting for me? I'm driving me crazy because I can't remember his name. That's how dumb I am. Big thing of range balls, tees, and him. Ready to go. I hit him up there, about 5'10 per group. If I get one close, I stop. He sweeps him off. My friend Jeff Rubenstein, thank you. He runs the joint. All right. Today's about gratitude. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Oh, man, I have a friend. My friend Reggie Jones calls his wife his girlfriend. <laughs> he does, except when she's on his ass. <laughs> anyway, um, there is a number of things. One of them was yesterday. There are a number of sports that aren't sports. You know, when ESPN first started, you guys aren't old enough to remember this, but, man, they had some sports on there. They had Australian rules football like it was going out of style. I mean, Australian rules football was today, tomorrow, the next day. Honest to God, it was like, holy hell. Then there were strongman contests. Then there were all kinds of things. 
Like, I remember we used to make fun of Mike Tirico. Where are you going to Stad to call the world's strongest man contest? Ice polar walking? I mean, they were all kind of crazy stuff. So they asked me to do a top five on something. And I was going to do, I was thinking. But as I was thinking, watching the home run derby, I thought to myself, wait a second. Is this a sport? It's not a sport. I'm going to give you my top five non-sports sports. All right? Hold on. Honorable mention first. Honorable mention must be any log sawing competition. I know it's a sport. You can make it a sport. Hell, my family doesn't think golf is a sport. My family thinks because you can drink, smoke, walk, it's an activity, not a sport. I'm not going to argue with anybody. I get it. I'm not including golf in that. I think golf is a sport. Log rolling. Not to me. To loggers, log rolling is a sport. All right? Okay. (laughs) It's not a sport. Log rolling, sawing. We got a bunch. Can't remember the year, but I know I was at Bowling Green and I was probably struggling. So it must have been 2005, 2006, whatever the hell it is. All of a sudden, the entire world got watching the World Series of Poker. The World Series of Poker on ESPN became the thing. That's number five, ladies and gentlemen. The World Series of Poker. Chris Moneymaker was a nobody. And in 2003, he revolutionized poker. He did. He qualified for the famed World Series of Poker in Las Vegas as an online qualifier. Now, 2003, many of you may or may not remember, every guy my age, I was 41, went out and bought a poker set and chips. Every guy was having poker night. Go to the Legion, guess what you had? Texas Hold'em tournaments. Hell, my son, who must have been about 10 at the time, shoot, he had Hold'em tournaments. I don't think they played for money, but it was real and it was on. The World Series of Poker was a fun watch. You had characters. The guy that Moneymaker beat, and by the way, Moneymaker's a Tennessee guy, which should make all of my guys in the background, Dylan and Davey and Ryan, Oh, so happy because every time the state of Tennessee is mentioned, they lose their minds. Or Nadal. If Nadal's mentioned. But anyway, so if you don't remember, what would happen would be this. Cards were laid out. You could see everybody's cards. And you could see and you knew the percentages of somebody that had the chance to win. Like 90% chance, and sometimes they would fall with a 90% chance to win, and you're like, holy cow, what are you doing? Well, they don't know what everybody else has. We do. Fascinated everybody. And the other thing that fascinated, along with Moneymaker, was there was a bunch of really good dudes. The guy he beat, Sammy, had an unlit cigarette. There were all kind of guys. Then it became Nerdfest. Then it became, you know, a guy with a triple master's from MIT. And then it became no fun. It was fun early. Sammy Farhar against Chris Moneymaker was epic. I'm telling you. It swept the country in 2003. It was nuts. Tell me I'm wrong. I need to go on a YouTube chat. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong, Twitter, that when you go on and you remember, if you remember, 
it was like, holy cow. Everybody had a damn poker set. Everybody had a damn game. I had games to the point where my one buddy fell over. He wouldn't leave. And he was drinking. We played in this room where my daughter, or Barbies, where he fell right in her Barbies. At like 2 in the morning. Back when I was in college, guys used to play. One night when I was a coach at Indiana, I lived with my brother and one of the baseball coaches in Indiana. They started a game of in-between. You know what in-between is? It's the simplest of games. Flip this card over if it's a 10. Flip that card over if it's a 2. You bet on what's in-between. Is it in-between or not? 8 comes up, you win. Jack comes up, you lose. It's a simple game. However, there are goalposts. So if you hit the goalpost, you got to double the bet. I go to bed 10 o'clock. We lived in a three-level little condo. Poker game was downstairs. I go to bed 10, 11 o'clock, let's say. Poker game's going on. In between games going on, I wake up. 7, 8 o'clock to go over to Assembly Hall, get ready for a game. There's a poker game going on. I walk downstairs. The game's still going on, and in the in-between game are like chits. Guys' golf clubs were in the pot. Guys' car was in the pot. Now, full disclosure, the car was, oh, I don't know, worth about 20 bucks. It was actually the night I got my car towed, and I never went to pick it up. Poker will get you. Poker's number five, ladies and gentlemen. But if you'd have asked me in 2000, in 2003, poker would have been the greatest non-sport and the greatest sport combined. True that. All right, number four, you ready? Number four, the NBA three-point shooting contest. I don't like the dunk contest. Dunk contest, I don't like. And here's other sports. You got a dunk contest. You got a skills contest. You got a hockey skills contest. You got a football contest. I don't like any of them. Every sport has all these non-sports. I don't like any of them. Dunk contest, I used to call the dunk contest for ESPN with Brad Nestler. You know, we used to tell people, make a dunk. Make your dunk. Guy misses a dunk, right? He's in front of people. He's got to act all cool slash embarrassed. It's embarrassing to miss a dunk, but you still got to act cool. Terrible TV. Horrendous. Three-point contest. Whoo, pretty good. Very good. Because you got a clock, you got a score, and the score is against another score. That's the American way, ladies and gentlemen. It is. The three-point contest is the last bastion of basketball cowboyism. Me against you, on the range, doing some shooting. Think about it. If all of a sudden in the TV show Yellowstone, a three-point shootout broke out between John Dutton and his daughter and uh, Rip, we'd watch. And that guy with the stash, we'd watch. See, they don't do that in Yellowstone. What they do is... They ride horses and compete with horses. Not us. Not us cowboys of the hoops. We're shooting shots. We're jacking threes. We're beating the clock. We're hitting the money ball. I ain't mad at it. Hate the slam dunk contest. Actually, I could have put the college three-point shootout in there too. I like the boys and girls. Girls usually beat the boys in the shootout. It's good stuff. I don't like the other stuff. It's not great. Um, last thing on the dunk contest. All right, last thing. Uh, on the NBA three-point contest. Guys are amazing. I mean, you young guys, go out and get a rack of balls and try to make all those shots sometime. It's hard. Like, when you just shoot and someone's throwing it to you, that's fine. 
But to grab a ball off a rack, set your feet, and get it forward and do it fast, really hard. And they make it look really easy. College kids, boys and girls do as well. All right, next on the hit parade. You ready? You're going to disagree with this. Long drive contests. I like long drive contests. I do. I like them. You're out there. It's you, a ball, a field, and a dream. And one of the things I like about the uh, uh, driving contest is the guys. They're all, you know, it's like I was watching a shot put the other night, too. You know, guys in shot put, they put all this rosin and all this stuff on their neck, right? Long drive guys are like that, too. It's like watching Bryson DeChambeau on steroids. It's dudes that they have longer clubs. They're trying to do, they're grunting. It's magic. And don't think for a second, by the way, that the happy Gilmore way of running up on the ball and hitting it works. I'm here to tell you, it don't work. It don't work even a little bit. You don't hit it as far as you do when you get all the torque and the whip and all the other things that guys tell you long drive contests do. I know you're probably disagreeing with this, and I ain't mad at you for disagreeing with it. I'm not mad at you at all. But I got to tell you, long drive contests, pretty daggone good. And I ain't mad about it. I'll never be mad about it. And don't you be mad about it. And oh, by the way, arguably the best sports scene in the history of movies is Don Johnson, Kevin Costner, Tin Cup, Seven Iron Wager, and Don Johnson after Tin Cup rips a seven iron, what, 220? Gets the seven iron, looks down the road, just like we're looking down the road here, rips it right down the road, and he looks over at Kevin Costner, still going. I love a good scam that I didn't see coming. And the first time, the first time that I saw that show, I thought, oh, that's awesome. Seriously. Guys have been matching their drives forever. Let's be honest. Yesterday, Sean Black. Sean Black, I celebrate you, Sean Black. I should have mentioned it. So much appreciation for you, Sean Black. Sean Black drove to my golf outing from Cleveland, Ohio, five hours to play by himself in a group of guys that he did not know. Second time he did it. Sean Black's a stud, and I have so much appreciation and gratitude for you, Sean Black, and I'm so sorry that I didn't mention you earlier. But Sean Black, when I said, how are you hitting it? When he came to my hall, he goes, oh, man, I'm hitting it too far. Everybody wants to talk about how far they're hitting a golf ball. Make no mistake about it. 1,110%. When you hit one way past your buddy, what do you do? You turn around and you go, that's a Kmart ball. And guys, what's a Kmart ball? Well, you can build a Kmart between my ball and your ball. That's a Kmart ball. Everybody, hey, look, my brother is two years older than me, which used to be an advantage. But once you get over the hump and now you're headed downhill, it's not anymore. And every time we're close to one another, we do two things. If we both hit it good. We wail on each other about who hit it farther, and then we bet on who gets it closer to the pin. Buck closest. All right, buck closest, buck closest. We never pay. 
Now, if we made it 10 buck closest, we would pay. But long drive contests, I dig. I will continue to dig. I don't care if it makes me a macho blankhead. I like it a lot. All right, next, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Don't at me about this. The beauty of the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest is this, and I'm also going to tell you what's wrong with the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. The Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest has everything that you want, a carnival barker, an incredible setting, unimaginable feats of competition. I don't know if you call it competition, uh, gluttony, whatever you call it. I don't know, but it's good. It's really good. So anyway, so there we go. So we have Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. The only thing missing from Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest is what? Do you know? The only thing missing is somebody to compete with Joey Chestnut. You go into Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest and you don't have anybody to compete. You don't have anybody to compete. You don't have anybody there that can be the Phil Mickelson to the Tiger Woods. You know what I mean? And the truth of the matter is, um, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is this. Um, it's awesome. And when they sit there, for a minute, this is going back, um, for a minute, for a minute, I, uh, I went out and I tried to have a hot dog eating contest. Just like what I said about, um, just like what I said about, you know, poker. Um, they tried to have a hot dog eating contest. And you know what? It lasts about a minute. One minute. You don't want to do it anymore. I did win a rib eating contest downtown Indy against a bunch of Colts. I did. I did. I won a rib eating contest, a bunch of Colts. And you know what? At the end of the day, eh, I stopped on the way home and got a blizzard. It's unbelievable. All right. What's next? The coup de gras. The number one. The numero uno. Yeah. Here it is. You ready? Are you ready? It happened last night. The home run derby contest is the best non-sports in sports. The best. The absolute best. Fantastic. Why? Same reason these other ones are. It's me against you. It's power. They change it to mano y mano. It's awesome, baby. It's terrific. It is. It's terrific. And you know what? It's never not been good. I'm going back to, remember when Sosa took on McGuire and it was back, 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 back. You remember that? Back, 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 back. And then the cars were going over Fenway Park and they were hitting. It was awesome. 
This is fantastic. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when you look at Home Run Derby, we see America. We do. We're sitting there, and I told this story yesterday. I'm literally sitting there in right field with my son, my friend Chris Dill, and his son Nolan at Home Run Derby in Detroit. And Bobby Abreu is going crazy. And I got to tell you, I've been to a lot of great events. I have. I've been to a lot of great events. And the truth of the matter is, I don't think I've ever been more excited or seen the kids more excited. Now, after the game, we did see Jenny Finn. But the truth of the matter is, um, yeah, you know what? At the end of the day, um, Jenny Fitch did not outdo the home run derby of Bobby Abreu. You saw it last night. You know, you saw it last night. Little kids' faces. You saw little kids in the outfield. You saw all kind of great stuff, right? You saw so much great stuff that at the end of the day, you couldn't help but be enthralled by it. The right guy won, Juan Soto. The right guy got the most accolades. I told you, Albert Pujols. But I got to tell you, it's awesome. It really is. It's fantastic. And the truth of the matter is, I watch it every year. It's the number one sporting event that isn't a sport. Period. At least to me. I'm more than happy to hear your side of it. I'm um, always, you know, happy to go along and say, hey, you know what? Um, I don't know. The truth of the matter is, when you look at Home Run Derby, you see it all. Power, disappointment. Let me tell you what's hard. Last thing. Let me tell you what's really, really hard. You know what's hard? What's hard is being the pitcher. I had to beat a pitcher one time in a home run derby. It was a local thing. A friend of mine was batting. The entire town was kind of there. It was at Little League Park. The guy's wife was yelling at me. Now, I've had Coach Knight yelling at me. I've had people screaming at me. No big deal. But the truth of the matter is um, I couldn't find the plate. Well, I could find the plate, but I couldn't find the plate right where he wanted the ball. I mean, I thought I was throwing strikes. I was, but it wasn't where he wanted. That is a thankless job. So let's review. Non-sports that are the top five, and there's a ton of sports out there. Number five, the World Series of Poker. Fantastic. 2003, Chris Moneymaker, unbelievable. Number four, the NBA three-point shot contest, going back to when Larry Bird didn't even take his damn jacket off. Larry said, fellas, you're all playing for second place. And Larry said, hey, I'm not even taking my jacket off. Wap, 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 wap. And away we went. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. All right. Third place, long drive contest. Look, I'm not going to tell you that I wake up in the morning 
to watch a long drive contest. But I will tell you that when I see a long drive contest on, I kind of like it. I do. I kind of like it. What are you going to do? Um, I don't know. Hot dog eating contest number two. Do not try this at home. Do not try this at home. It's horrible. Oh, man. You ever dip the hot dog into water? Don't. You ever thought about dipping a hot dog into water? Don't. Just don't. Do yourself a favor. All you need on a hot dog is relish and however you like it. You like ketchup? Go for it. You like mustard? Go for it. Whatever you like, go for it. You know, no problem. Go for it. It's easy. And number one, because it is Americana, the Home Run Derby. The Home Run Derby is freaking awesome. It is absolutely fantastic awesome. Not kind of awesome, absolutely awesome. Period. That's it. That's the five for this. Uh, People are asking me, and I'll retweet it now, if you do want to give to our bikes program, uh, I just put it out on Twitter, Dockage Cycles for the City at the Indiana Sports Corp. Uh, I think you'll like it. I do. I think, I think, you know, what we do is we give all the money, six grand right here. They're still trying to kill me at the start. Now, the new thing is with the writer, board ops. You know how many board ops I've had since I've been at Emmis? Three. Chris May for one year, Kyle Konezovich for nine years, and Jimmy Cook for the last two or three years. Three. Board ops, engineers, technology say Dukic is a bad guy. All right. I guess. I mean, I could always find somebody that says everybody's a bad guy. But today isn't about people that don't like it. Too much energy spent on them. Today is about Daniel's Winery. Daniel's Winery is a little spot right over here. Daniel's Winery. Now, I'm not going to try to tell you that Indiana wine is as good as freaking California wine or Italy wine. Are you out of your freaking mind? Are you insane? But the truth of the matter is it is a little slice of heaven. It is. It's a little slice of heaven right over here. And they donated. I met the guy one time. He went to college, same time I went to college at Indiana. My wife and I walked over, or we drove over there. We were walking around just looking. He came out, we talked. He donated a beautiful, beautiful gift bag of wine. Awesome stuff. Uh, Bad news here. Bad news. Horrible news. Um, This kind of just broke, I guess, or at least this is the first I'm seeing it. Texas running back Darius Anderson is charged with burglary with intent to rape. Uh, He was charged with burglary just attempt to rape on July 15th. He got a felony charge on that day. Now, my God. They're gathering information in Texas. He went to TCU. He got in the NFL in 2020, signed as a free agent contract. You got it. Man, here's the thing. NFL's had a bad offseason with those kind of things. NFL's had a really bad offseason with those kind of things. Terrible offseason. Absolutely awful. And the truth of the matter is they don't need it. 
The NFL is basically bulletproof right now. We know that, right? We, we understand this. But when you got three guys, I believe, from the Chicago Bears arrested on a variety of offenses, about 10 guys, they're all public, obviously. It's just not great. It's just not good. It really isn't. So at the end of the day, when you go about the business of the NFL, they've got to clean this stuff up. This really, they really, 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 really got to clean this up. You have to. Man. So as we go into camp, this is where I'm always having a hard time making predictions. And I always go back to the guy Anderson, who was like the man of the year, the night before the Super Bowl with the Falcons. He got arrested with a prostitute. That's why it's so hard. There's two reasons it's hard to make predictions on season wins in the NFL or anywhere. One, injury. Injury kills you. Like I've said forever, if the pace, if the Colts could just keep their injuries to very, very minimal and not have a devastating major player injury midweek, they'll have a great year. But I swear to God, every time about middle of the season, on a Thursday, you get an injury report that says one of their main players, whether it's Carson Wentz, Jonathan Taylor, whoever it was last year, whether it wasn't Taylor last year, but you know what I'm saying, shows up on the injury report that is out for two or three weeks. It's fascinating, really. That's number one. Number two, arrests. Doing something stupid. Crushes your team. Kills it. All right, we're going to be back. Uh, those of you that know me know I usually have to go to the bathroom at this time. I'm going right now. We'll be right back. Sorry about that, Dylan. Sorry about that. I'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Hey, Outkick has an article right now about Ricky Williams recalled an instance where drug use was encouraged by a veteran teammate. Another time, we brownies were consumed in the film. Well, really? I mean, all right. Uh, really, Ricky? Guy says, my rookie year, everybody wants to rat everybody out on what they did 20 years ago. I'm glad I don't do that. I could. I could fight this whole thing that's happening, but I'm not. Not my way. Fair or not, my rookie year in the Hall of Fame on the team, 
uh, a Hall of Famer on the team. He's in the Hall of Fame now, invited me over his house, gave me the speech about how to care for yourself in the NFL. Then he pulled out some cannabis, crushed it, split a blunt, opened it up, put the cannabis in there, took a Vicodin, crushed it, sprinkled the Vico in there, rolled the blunt and passed it to me. That was a vet teaching me as a rookie how to take care of yourself in the NFL. All right. Anybody surprised by that? Of course you're not surprised by that. I mean, there it is. See, let me address one other thing. And again, I'm not doing this with haters. And you know, uh, this is a day of appreciation. And I appreciate the living hell out of the fellas at OutKick. You know, I appreciate the living hell of working here, right? I think it's awesome. I think working here is tremendous. I love it. There's another writer that's saying that, well, you know what people that work at OutKick are about. Really? What are we about? Uh, I don't know. What What are we about? I, I think we're about, I don't know, getting you the best stories, trying to be the most honest. I mean, I, I don't, you know. Um, seems to me that um, OutKick has become the place, and it seems to me a lot of people are, oh, I don't know, um, a lot of people are intimidated by OutKick. We're just a little company that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're renting so much space in media that, man, oh, man, I mean, um, all these real Writers, listen to this from James Boyd. Now, nah, here's a guide for you so that I can make it abundantly clear. Outkick and it will always be a pile of hot garbage. See, rule number one is number two. Now, this guy's like a 10-year-old kid uh, that, you know, he's like a little kid trying to write, and uh, he's doing a nice job, James Boyd, but it just shows you. I think he took down his uh, bigoted tweet about OutKick. I think he took it down. But see, people coming at us is the best. Come all you'd like. Make up all your lies. Bring it. That means we are coming. And the reason we're coming is because like 144 people yesterday that showed up at a golf outing, took the local newspaper out back and took a you-know-what on it, real people get it. Real people don't hate. I've said this forever. You know, you read the newspapers, right? You read the newspaper and everything's divided. Like if, if my paper, the local paper, the Indy Star, didn't try to divide you, they'd have nothing. They would have absolutely nothing. And I love the fact that we at OutKick are so into 2,000 words on me yesterday. 2,000. And I didn't know my man was lying until this latest tweet where he talks about board ops and all these people. You know how many people I see every day when I go to work for the last 15 years? Maybe five. Because I don't get there early. I do my work here. I get in the car and I go. I walk around and all my coworkers call me and laugh with me because I do my crazy walks. But now we got board ops, all these people that hate me. It's so great. It's so awesome because, frankly, they know that they're losing. They know they're getting their ass kicked. And my wife said to me, hey, Dan, once you enter the political realm on OutKick, wait for it. And, man, is it coming. Is it coming. It's coming every day to me, and I love it. I absolutely love it. I think um, 
I think that, um, well, frankly, um, I think that some people are intimidated by OutKick. I think my man took down his bigoted tweet where he talks about all of us being terrible human beings. And if you work for OutKick or you support OutKick, James Boyd had to take it down. I don't know if he had to take it down. Maybe he didn't, but I certainly can't find it because we're coming, man. We're coming with the best content, the most honest content. People are tired of the woke. People are tired of one-sided journalism. Clay has led the charge. The guys on OutKick 360 enhanced it with Clay. They added me. Now Tommy. We're adding more every single day. And they don't like it. I mean, they hate it. Oh, they hate it so much that they're now saying, well, I got tweets from, uh, well, you know, these are accredited journalists. All right. Uh, they're so now that some guy named, I don't know, James Boyd, who's never played a sport in his life, rips on OutKick with the vaunted Indy Star. Indy Star used to be great. But anyway, I love this. I absolutely love this. Because frankly, frankly, um, well, uh, oh, here it is. Anyone who works for OutKick, you already know what they're on. What am I on? What am I on? I ask, what am I on? I'm on life, baby. I am on life. Anyone that works for OutKick, you know what they're on. What are we all on? Dylan, are you on something? Anybody on anything? This is from James Boyd, the Romeoville kid. Listen to this. And anyone who supports the people that work for OutKick, you already know what they're on to. This is a writer. This is the Pacers beat writer. Just the plain truth. Well, what's the truth here? Let's read. Can you guys put that up if you'd like? Anyone who works for OutKick, you already know what they're on. I'm on coffee. I've done more in a year than this little Romeo guy's done in his lifetime in terms of helping people. I do more in a week than this guy. But hey, maybe I'm on. Anyone who works for OutKick, you already know what they're on. You have seen how loyal flies are to a pile of garbage. That's OutKick and its supporters. See, I disagree with that. I, I, I've always disagreed. I don't think anybody that supports the Indy Star is a bad person. I don't think anybody that supports Greg Doyle and this guy are bad people. I don't think so. And please, in the headline, write it that way, will you please? Dylan, when we put out this clip, I don't think anybody's bad people because they support something that I don't think. I don't think so at all. I think everybody has the opportunity to think for themselves. Everybody has the opportunity now to write for themselves. I don't generalize people that way. I don't. That would be like saying, well, you know, all Serbians are bad people. Or all half Polish, half Serbian people are bad people. The easiest thing in the world is to make generalities like this. I think we should love all people. I don't think there's any way you can say that the people that work at OutKick are bad people because of their job. What does everybody always say? Hey, man, it's my job. It's not who I am. Well, I got to tell you, 
I like this job because it does allow me to be who I am. And if some little 20-something-year-old from uh, Romeo doesn't like it, I don't know what to tell you. But we are so in their heads, and it's awesome. Because they know. They know where the country is headed. Not politically, but with people. People are tired of hit pieces. People are tired of, of smear campaigns. People are tired of it. That's why all I've done is say, look, I had 30 employees yesterday that we had a blast. And if three employees, 10 employees over the course of my 15 years haven't liked me, I don't know what to tell you. But the truth of the matter is, Outkick's coming, baby. Outkick is coming, and it's coming, and it's coming. It is. And it ain't stopping. It ain't. I mean, it shouldn't. It can't. People know. So continue on, ladies and gentlemen. Continue on. (laughs) Outkick. All right. Let's get to some stuff. I mean, this is just, you know, it's just incredible to me. It's just incredible. So I don't know. I've never bracketed people other than Purdue people. Other than you Purdue people, you're the only ones that I've ever said, ah, but it's a rivalry, something that writers at the start know nothing about. All right, let's do some stuff here. You ready? Let's do some stuff. Let's get some stuff going here. Uh, Did you see this? Did you see that Dr. Fauci plans to leave? Did you see that? And look, I'm not one of those that crushes Dr. Fauci. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I let other people way smarter than me do that. But I got to tell you, um, I do think that he was in an untenable situation. We don't know anything about this. We don't know anything about the virus. All of a sudden it hits. And next thing you know, decisions have to be made. He's going to retire by the end of the term. He's going to retire and good for him, man. Good for him. Now, people are going to always, because this is what we do, say that one begat the other or the other begat the other. I don't know. But I know this. The dude was on intenable situations. He told Fox News yesterday, one of these things that's clear from the data is these vaccines don't protect overly well against infection. You know, our leader here at OutKick, Clay Travis, has been saying that forever. Clay Travis has been saying, look, these vaccinations, I had, I got crushed, actually, because I have a very good friend whose brother is the smartest man I know. He's an orthopedic surgeon, and he told my friend, his brother, and his wife, and their daughter, don't get the vaccine. Don't get it. We don't have enough research. Now, this is going way back. And I got crushed in Indianapolis by our friend Doyle. Does anybody know the doctor? He wanted to harass him. Not going to harass my friend. But the truth of the matter is, again, this is why you got to like OutKick. Clay's been talking about this, hasn't he? He's been talking about this a ton. And all of a sudden, I don't know, all of a sudden what he said turns out to be true. Clay Travis that these vaccines have done nothing. 
We had articles in our paper, I don't know if you did in yours, when a guy didn't get vaccinated, Carson Wentz was told by our friend Greg Doyle that he had to, quote, I would, quote, drive you to the airport if the Colts released you. Bad teammate, bad person. Carson Wentz a lot of things, maybe a bad person. He's a great person. Selfish. Maybe Carson Wentz knew what Dr. Fauci knew. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But I do know this. I'll kick and clay. Man, why do you think it grew? Because people understood what Clay was saying. People understood, wait a second. And Clay was very smart about it. I'm not trying to do a victory lap for Clay, but I followed this. I wasn't working here. I wanted to know. My wife adamant against getting the vaccine. I got the vaccine. If I didn't get the vaccine, I wasn't going to work. Felt like maybe I should work. Felt like maybe that'd be a good thing. But the truth of the matter is, everybody's got their own opinion. And the truth of the matter is, if we would have, in fact, or the whole time, followed the science, I don't think people would have been so nasty to those that didn't get the vaccine. But hey, you live and you learn. I just appreciate that our country worked so hard to try to get a vaccine, whether it was a nefarious way, whether, I don't know. I don't know. I have a friend of mine named Fred Vienna. Fred Vienna is in a wheelchair. Uh, Freddie Vienna is one of, if not the best lawyers in the city of Indianapolis and in the Midwest. He's a defense attorney. Freddie Vienna is uh, among, if not the toughest people that I know. Freddie Vienna has MS, and it's continuing to get worse. He's had stem cells. He's had all kind of treatment. He's taken every experimental. He's done everything. Freddie Vienna remains in a wheelchair. Freddie Vienna got in a horrific car accident on his 60th birthday a couple months ago. Freddie Vienna just went home, I heard today. I've called him, I've talked to him, we've gone to visit him. Not, not as often as I should, but Freddie Vienna, to me anyway, what's the right word here? He turned me on to the importance of having handicap accessible things. And the reason I say things is because I was at the Indy 500 doing my show about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, and Freddie couldn't, couldn't go a couple places because it wasn't accessible by a wheelchair, and he was telling me about it. I had a party at my house a couple years ago, and uh, by the way, we invited a bunch of MS employees, and they all came and had a great time. But anyway, Freddie had to come around the back, and I had nothing accessible for him. He had to go over a terrain. I didn't have a ramp. So I've learned about this. I've learned about this. I've learned about this. And I've learned about this. And now the Cubs are being sued by the Department of Justice for discriminating against fans using a wheelchair. The idea is that the Cubs are not providing enough access. Now, look, I don't know. You don't know. Freddie would know. I might have Freddie on my show today. Uh, I might ask Freddie to come on because I want to know what does it all mean? Where are you all supposed to be? I don't know. I do not have the answer to that, but I know that the Department of Justice is suing the Cubs. Now, look, I'm a Cub fan, and I've rooted for the Cubs through a lot of things, right? This is totally different. This is completely different. And the truth of the matter is, I don't know if they should be sued, not sued. I don't know who's going to win a lawsuit, not win a lawsuit. But let's be honest. If you're the Cubs... Uh, you, you got to do everything that you can in this day and age to make everything as accessible for as many people as you can.
okay? And you just do. So here's the way I look at it. Uh, I look at it like this. I look at it like, you know what? If you're the Cubs, just make damn sure that you do what's right. If the Department of Justice says, hey, you're not doing this, then you know what? Why don't you do it? You don't have to agree with everything. You don't. Apparently, the issues are renovations to Wrigley Field, impact on wheelchair seating, including sight lines and proximity to other seats. Now, you know, there's always a debate about it. Handicap parking is right on the stadium, but that's not the issue. The issue is not that. The issue is, ladies and gentlemen, uh, where these seats are. So, look, Cubs, I'm for you, baby. I love you. And I don't know what's true or not. Hell, I'm going through it. But they have been sued by the Department of Justice for discriminating against fans that have, you know, disabilities. So whatever they're asking, how about we just clean it up? I mean, as long as it's reasonable, you just don't give in because you got to give in. I mean, if it's reasonable, let's just do it. Makes sense to me. It may not make sense to you, but it certainly makes sense to me. If it makes sense, do it. Pretty simple. No. Now, here's another thing. Cubs are going through the worst year of their history. They are going through what might end up being, I don't know if it's the worst year in their history, but it ain't great. And if last thing I think you want is to have an issue with people that need our help the most. Um, So there you go. For whatever the reason, Dylan, I'm having a hard time opening up my uh, rundown for today. So what's next, big boy? (laughs) What's next? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Leonard Fournette. Is that from this year? Is that true? Leonard. Leonard Leonard Fournette is a valuable piece, man. They're not happy at the Buccaneers about Leonard Fournette. Showing up at 260. Now, I will say this. Now, hold the phone here before we lose our mind. Leonard Fournette, like a friend of mine, I I got a couple friends. One, I'm thin-boned, right? I'm thin-boned. I have friends that are thick. So me being at 250 pounds means that I'm fat. I mean fat as hell, okay? Uh, Leonard Fournette at 260, yes, it's more than 228, but I just wonder. I just wonder. I don't know. Um, Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, last time we saw Leonard, he was just a donut shy of 260, Stroud said. He certainly didn't look like a guy who could play every down. Fournette did not show up at voluntary OTAs. But upon arriving at the mandatory minicamp, the staff found out he wasn't in game shape. Coaches were not happy, and that's an understatement when he didn't participate in the OTAs. But then he shows up at a mandatory minicamp wearing damn near 260. It's not a good sign for a guy you just signed a three-year deal on. No, that's not a good sign. And it's not a good sign for you fantasy owners either. Yeah, it's not. You fantasy owners, be careful. You fantasy owners, hey. So anyway, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. 
Uh, all right. Let's talk about, is there anything else? Is there anything else? I don't know. That was I, it we had uh, there. I don't know. All right. A couple other things. No sense of urgency by the SEC to expand. Now, SEC media days are here. SEC media days are, and Trey Wallace is going to join us. Now, here's the deal. You know the number one thing at SEC media days, and we're going to ask. No sense of urgency for the league to expand beyond 16 teams. None. All right? Oklahoma, Texas are joining. All right? That's fine. Now, here's the other deal. The Big Ten said the same thing. Now, here's something interesting. There was a report that the Big Ten absolutely was going to merge with the Pac-12. That didn't happen. And the Big Ten squashed it. The Big Ten said no. Oh, no, 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 no. No, absolutely not. We're not doing that. Everybody is being smart. Everybody is biding their time. Everybody is taking their time because this isn't going to. This is not going to be solved soon. This is going to be solved over time. And it will be. You will see the Big 12 either expand and do great things that people don't see or morph into other leagues. You will see the Pac-12 either do great things. I don't know how they could do it, losing LA, uh, the LA market, but that's fine. That's fine. I don't know how you can not see that this is going to take time. Conference realignment, we told you this before, years ago it's coming. Of course it's coming. It's coming. And it's going to keep coming. I didn't say it's, it came. It's coming. And when three more teams come, it's coming more. If, let me ask you a question, simple question. If you were the Big Ten, would you want to morph the entire Pac-12 into your league? Let me ask you this. If you were the SEC, who would you want to come into your league? I'll tell you who I would want. Both teams, Notre Dame, fine. But if I were the SEC, I'd want Florida State and Miami in my league. I got Florida State, iconic program. I got a huge market in Miami. If you were going to say to me, give me the two teams who are going to morph into the league, I got to tell you, boom, those would be the two teams, period. They would be. Now, North Carolina's a plump. Big Ten has wanted North Carolina forever. They have. They have and they will. And at the end of the day, um, you know, I don't know. At the end of the day, it is what it is. So we shall see what we shall see. Anyway, um, I'm not mad, but long story short, uh, yeah. We're going to see what happens. All right, we're going to go to NF we're going to go to media days. We're going to go to media days and we're going to go to uh Trey uh Trey Wallace from media days. 
Dan, did you say an off? I saw a great joke that maybe went the wrong way at uh, a fan cave event. Not my best moment, but I said it. Said a few. It's a relaxed, a relaxed thing. What are you gonna do? All right. When we come back, Trey Wallace, Trey Wallace from uh, uh, Outkick. He's down at the SEC Media Days. He's going to join us coming up in about three minutes. We're going to talk Saban and Jimbo. We're going to talk, what's the right word? We're going to talk expansion. And let's talk some football. Who, ladies and gentlemen, who is going to be the favorite? We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, Trey Wallace, ladies and gentlemen. Trey Wallace is at Media Days, live from the SEC. All right, let's get to this. The SEC is saying they are not. They are not, ladies and gentlemen, um, going to expand at least imminently. That's not real news, is it? No, I don't think it's I don't think it's real news. I, I think that the SEC right now feels comfortable uh, in the spot that they're in with the amount of teams that they have right now with Texas and Oklahoma joining uh, in a few years. Um, they're not in panic mode. You know, when the when the when the Big Ten went out and got USC and UCLA, you know, everybody thought, OK, well, who's going to be the guys that, that, that jump into the Southeastern Conference from the ACC or some other schools? And, and you know what? Greg Sankey was kind of chill about it. He was like, OK, we're not going to add anybody right now. We're not going to freak out because there's certain things going on. We're just going to let this thing play out and look towards the future and who makes sense for us. So, I, you know, Dan, I wouldn't look for anything crazy to happen. I mean, it's college football. Crazy stuff does happen. But I think the SEC is kind of content right now, at least for the next six to, to 12 months. Let's play hypothetical. Who would you like to see come into the league? You know, if we're, if we're looking at the, the demographic of what the Southeastern Conference is, I, you know, I, you already went past the Mason Dixon line when you got Texas and Oklahoma. So, you know, let I would like to see teams like Virginia Tech, uh, maybe Miami, Florida State, Clemson. You know, it, it all depends on what these TV rights deals happen with, with the ESPN and how much money they can get out of that, if they can add any teams to this thing. Um, you're, I, it, it wouldn't be smart for the SEC, in my opinion, to go outside and let, go get Oregon or something like that or Washington. I think if you keep it right around this this, this area, in a sense, and, and you go take the Hokies, go get, you know, here's a big thing, too, that a lot of people aren't talking about. Like, a lot of people are bringing up North Carolina or Duke to come into the SEC. But, man, it'd be great if you go get both because it, it all comes down to basketball, too. It's not just football we're talking about here, and I think that gets lost 
in translation with these conference expansions is that basketball is a is a big priority when it comes to this. So, you know, I I am interested to see what they do not just with football, but let's let's throw in basketball and some other sports as well. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm said this forever. Trey, I don't think basketball is really in play here, but is it? I mean, does basketball really matter in any of this? I I, th- I it does when it comes to logistics of having to play out okay perfect example i had somebody tell me this the other day they were talking about okay well what's can you imagine ucla traveling to ann arbor on a tuesday night uh can you imagine usc you know trying to get to bloomington (laughs) to play a game you know there's so many different factors to go into this and i think Look, logistics come into it, but if you can get a, a good caliber basketball team, if you can get a Duke or a North Carolina, uh, or, or you know, you you step outside the realm, you know, um, uh, the Big 12 is getting Houston with with Calvin Sampson. You know, there there are small little factors that make basketball a priority in some of these instances um, because at some schools, and you know this, Dan, some schools basketball is bigger than football. So it's all just going to depend on what these conferences decide to do and who they decide to say, okay, we're going to go with, we're going to go at you for your media rights and what you bring to the table. But man, we really like what you do in basketball. We really like what you do in football. So it, it's going to be complicated, but I think schools are going to be able to figure this out. I do too. You know, I, I really do too. Let, let me go a, uh, Let me go another direction with you. We're sitting here. I believe it's Tuesday. I missed yesterday. I was at a golf outing that I had, and I, you know, I lost time. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, (laughs) but I've heard nothing about Jimbo and Nick Saban. Are we not discussing this anymore? No, I I think it's pretty much dead. I'll be honest with you. I I really do. I mean, uh, the. Alabama linebacker Will Anderson said something along the lines of, you know, we'll, we'll let this thing play out once we hit the field uh, in October. But they're really not talking about it anymore. And, and, and in all honesty, I think it goes back to the SEC spring meetings um, in Destin, where I think that was kind of put on the kibosh a little bit. <laughs> Greg Sankey said, okay, guys, enough. Let, let, we're not talking about this anymore. Put it to bed stop making attention bringing attention towards the sec for the wrong manners and 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 i think that when you look at it you just saw nick saban he didn't say a word about it but also nobody asked him about it as well so i I think that we're kind of dead with that one now it will pick up once that game is two weeks out trust me things will start getting lively again but i think for right now I don't think either of them want their dirty laundry out in public, so they both just need to shut their mouth. Do you think that Bryce Young is going to go down as the best quarterback in Alabama history? Man, that's a that's a strong um I grew up in the state of Alabama and not saying I was an Alabama fan or anything, but I grew up. So, you, you know, you're watching Alabama, Auburn, Florida State, LSU, along the Gulf Coast where I'm from. And, man, there were some really good quarterbacks to come through there. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that Bryce Young has his own uh, 
flaws, but also his own characteristics about him that make him a really great quarterback. I think that if he comes, if he comes out and wins a national championship this year, okay, then, then maybe you can start putting him in that top five realm. Uh, but, but I look at, you know, all the quarterbacks that have come through in the past and have won national championships. Like the biggest thing to me is, and I know he won the Heisman and I get that part of it, but the biggest thing to me is you've had a lot of quarterbacks under this Nick Saban era come in and, and win national championships. You look back, you know, even to the Bear Bryant days, you look back into, you know, Gene Stalling days is when he was at Alabama. Um, there are a lot of nice names in there. I mean, you know, can you say that's Kenny State was hard to beat, you know, um, but I but I look <laughs> at the new age of, of college football, Dan, and I think, you know, if you're if you're asking me, you know, is it Bryce Young or is it Tua? Um, you know, I think I would lean more towards Bryce Young uh, for that one. But there's been two there. There's been too many different types of quarterbacks in Alabama over the last 12 years to really narrow it down. But I, I say you know, Bryce Young is one of the best. I give him credit, man. He really is. Did Lane Kiffin take a shot at the Big Ten? God, Lane Kiffin takes shots at everybody. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he really does. Uh, I, yeah, somewhat, I guess. Um, but you look at this man, Lane, Lane Kiffin's going to say whatever he's going to say. And he was the one guy yesterday that came out there and did not have a, a, a care in the bucket about what he was talking about with NIL uh, how he was talking about his players, what they're talking about inducements, federal legislation. You look at the Big Ten scheduling. Um, you know, I, I I think that's just Lane. I think that's who he is. And if he takes a shot, I'm, I don't know if Big Ten country noticed it or not, but, you know, that's no. why we're here today. No, <laughs> no. They, didn't, they didn't notice Big it. Ten. I mean, because <laughs> – because they don't care. I mean, anything above Kentucky, they don't. The state of Kentucky, they don't care about the SEC. I mean, you know, let, let's they be honest with each other. They only care about the SEC when the SEC's whooping their ass, and they only cared about the SEC when Urban Meyer came to Ohio State and brought the quote SEC way of recruiting, right? Where you get all these. Right. That's when they started going. Wait a second. We better start caring about the SEC. They'll they'll care about them when the SEC comes back to Indianapolis and plays in a national championship game, and the whole town is swarmed with SEC fans, Alabama and Georgia. <laughs> That's when they'll start caring again. But other than that, they're just going to be pissed off at them. Caring's a different story. Pissed off is probably the right word. You know, when I was at the national championship this year, my wife and uh, my stepdaughter, and we, we uh, my, my show's downtown Indy, and it's over yeah. at three. So we're like, hey, let's just get a flavor. You know what I mean? I think it was like a Thursday, May. I don't know. Maybe it's Saturday, Friday. I don't know. Let's just get a flavor. And come on down. We'll go to, I think it's called the Yard House. We like the Yard House. So we're yeah. going. Couldn't get in. Could not get in at three o'clock. Packed. I mean, packed Georgia. I saw so many G's on the damn sh You're right about that. When the SEC takes over our, our state capital, then we start caring. But they were very well, nice it's people. The, very it's nice. It's the crazy people. part. It's the crazy part because you had two SEC teams that were there at the same time. And it's like Atlanta. It's, it's like where I'm at right now. It's like that when we have SEC championships. So just imagine it when it comes to Indianapolis. You know, it just, you know, and, and uh, whatever. Atlanta. 
it is what it is. I don't really like this town. Indianapolis was, you know, a lot better in my opinion where I was at. But I'm just saying overall, that's not a shot at Atlanta. It's just too damn big. But when you look at it overall, I think that the SEC right now and what they are doing, they're making waves. But I think overall, as we sit back in college athletics, I think you're seeing the conference that says, okay, we already went and got Texas and Oklahoma. We're good. We're going to let the Big Ten go do what they want to do. And if that means bringing in UCLA and USC from the West Coast, that's fine. But I think, Dan, something you're going to have to pay attention to over the next probably week or two, let's see what the Big 12 does with how many Pac-12 teams they go and poach. I think you're going to see the big – I. If I'm the Big 12, I go get Oregon. I go try to get Washington. If I can't get those two uh, because they're on the Big Ten waiting list, uh, then you go out and get Utah, go out and get Arizona State. Um, I, I think those are two teams right there. Maybe you try to, to poach one more if you want to bring Arizona just for the, the television ratings, bring Arizona. But I think you're going to see the Big 12 go in and, and, and maybe put the final nail into the Pac-12. And I, I think that could happen over the next month or two. Let's talk. Really? That'd be interesting. No kidding. I mean, I, next I, if, month if we're two. talking about if we're talking about TV contracts, that's the biggest thing. We're getting into that time period where a lot of these teams would really like to know what their future looks like. Now, a month or two, okay. You know, they were just talking last week and they just nixed their conversations over the last couple of days. So I, I, I think when we look at it, a lot of these teams don't want to go into the season with stuff hanging over their heads, but they also know that they need to take their time when it comes to these decisions. So I think you'll start seeing more word come out. And again, I'll end it with this. Look how quick it happened for USC and UCLA. It happened on a dime. Ooh. You know, so I'm just saying, don't put it past some of these schools to to do something along those lines. Um, I, I, if this happened already, I apologize, and maybe it did, but and maybe I didn't find it. But media days, it usually comes out. Who's going to be the favorite each side here in the SEC? Man, it's going to come out uh, on Thursday, but but I think you're going to see Alabama uh, out of the West again, and I think you're going to see Georgia out of the East. Um, you know, who, who comes up behind them, you know, is it Texas A&M in the West? Is it, it's not going to be LSU. Um, you know, where does Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin get ranked? I think in the East is the kind of the bigger story, you know, is it, is it Florida? Is it Tennessee? Is it Kentucky, uh, that are going to be, you know, right at number two behind Georgia, because to me, Georgia, they, they lost a lot last year. So that is a school to me that could drop a game. I mean, we'll see. It's it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out um, next season. But we'll find out Thursday. We'll see what all the rest of our my, my media contingent think about uh, what the SEC is going to look like this year, and um, it'll give some uh, it'll give some some juice to some of these schools around the country. As Saban likes to say, rat poison. So all good. Rat poison. All right. Rat poison. I'm not edge. I'm not educating you on anything SEC, nothing. I am, however, saying to anybody that'll listen, I get that for about, I don't know, a few months, Brian Kelly was kind of a joke with the accent and the dancing. I get all that. But don't forget, that dude can recruit, and that dude can really, really coach no matter where he's been. He's been terrific. I think people are underselling Brian Kelly and LSU just a tad, just a tad. 
I think that it's going to take him a minute, but I think that once he, once everybody figures out his, his cup of tea and what's he, what he's like in Baton Rouge. And once he gets used to everything going on in Baton Rouge, I think that, you know, you're going to see Brian Kelly thrive. Um, he is a, a national coach of the year for a reason. You know, he, he you know, he's, he's made appearances and playoffs for a reason. And, and, and he had success at Notre Dame. Um, so I think, you know, once you get down to the state of Louisiana, you know, and he gets down here and he recruits the state, he can figure out how to put a border up around this state. I think you're going to see big things out of Brian Kelly, but it's going to take time. It's not just, it's not just going to happen overnight. Um, because you've got a lot of people in this, in the state of Louisiana, they're going to have to buy into what's going on with Brian Kelly, but I think he'll get it done. Dan. I think he'll get it done. It's just going to take, it's going to take a year or two and that's okay. Um, I think Brian Kelly's terrific. Anyway, all right, let me go a couple other places. If you were going to say, I, I've always said this, man, the SEC is the one league where I'm not sure there's no such thing as a sleeper. Like, nobody ever comes up through the rank. Like, in the Big Ten, all of a sudden, Northwestern's in the Big Ten championship game. You know what I'm saying? Is there possibility of a sleeper? I... I would probably have to say, I probably have to say Kentucky or Tennessee uh, as a sleeper. I don't know how good Florida is going to be yet. I know they have a good quarterback in Anthony Richardson, but Billy Napier, that's a whole different thing down in Florida. Um, they had some talent to replace. If there's anything, it would be Georgia screwing up somehow, pulling a Georgia and, and dropping a game or two in SEC play. Um, that could be, to me, the factor of where maybe – a Kentucky or a Tennessee or somebody like that maybe sneaks in in the SEC East. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if you you know if you're trying to figure out a a school or a team that that might do that, I would go there. I think in the West side with with Alabama, you know, to to me is what what's Lane Kiffin do in Oxford? Can they sneak up on you know Nick Saban? I don't know if Texas A&M has it this year. They might. Got to figure out their quarterback situation. Um, you know, with Haynes King or, or Max Johnson. Um, but there's not many teams in the West right now that, that are standing out to me, to be honest with you. I mean, LSU, I, I think they're going to be kind of down this year. Auburn's going to be kind of down this year. Mississippi State, they're already they're always middle of the pack. So I really, I look at, you know, Arkansas to me has a quarterback in KJ Jefferson that's going to turn eyes. Remember that name this year, Dan Dockage. K.J. Jefferson out of Arkansas, quarterback. Um, the kid is fantastic. Um, so I, I, I think there are maybe one or two teams if Alabama gets knocked off like they did at Texas A&M last year. But, you know, it, it's going to be hard to do. But anything can happen. Uh, we'll, we'll find out here in about two months. Trey, I appreciate you. I know I kept you way too long, man. Thanks for your time. I know you're covering it like no other. Thanks, my friend. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having me on. We'll do this again soon. I want to. That's at Trey Wallace underscore. If you want to know about the SEC media days, Trey Wallace underscore. That's it. I mean, he has a great article about Nick Saban throws down the gauntlet on NIL and Alabama players are thriving. That's what you have to say. You have to say that. You can say nothing else than that. You must say Nick Saban 
uh, what Nick Saban said, which is we are all in on the NIL. We are thriving in the NIL. Our players are making money in the NIL. If you come here, these opportunities are all over the place. We have a great brand at Alabama, Saban said. So players are certainly, their value there is going to be enhanced because of the value that our brand helps them create. That's exactly right. He said there are a lot of people on the recruiting trail using NIL as inducements. A lot of people are making promises that may or may not be able to keep. Well, the one thing I've expressed, not concerned about, but there's got to be some uniformity and protocol of how name, image, and likeness is implemented. I think there's probably a couple factors that are important in that. How does this impact competitive balance in college athletics? Is there transparency to remain or to maintain fa- fairness? That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. The deal is simple. Like, you don't induce. You get there, you do We give it to you. We get it for you. But we all knew that was crap. We all knew. Look, I've said this until I'm blue in the face. I've had so many people over the years tell me, tell me that, you know what? The NCAA rule book's too thick. And I always say the same thing. You're right. The NCAA rule book, when they used to have a rule book, was too thick. But you know what? It's thick because of how many times it has to be amended due to coaches finding loopholes. So when you tell a coach or you tell an operation, look, football coaches, basketball coaches, coaches in general, we're going to allow name, image, and likeness. It's got to be once they're on campus. That became coalitions. That became no. That became inducements. And then you add the fact that the NCAA has been deemed powerless. So there really is no enforcement. There's none. Zero. And guess what you got? Chaos. There isn't a maintaining of fairness because there was no fairness to begin with. Look, when I was at Indiana as an assistant coach, I knew going to Bowling Green, facilities weren't going to be the same. Money was, I had to make five, five fundraisers during the year and in the summer, five, to keep our program going, to pay for summer school for kids. Five of them. You know how many we had to do in Indiana? Had to do? None. Had to make 200, I think it was 200 or 250,000. I think it was 200 when I first got there, $250,000. I had a raise by playing the Michigans who would pay you 40,000. The Indianas, the Kentucky, whoever. Playing a tournament down in Mobile, Alabama for crying out loud. You had to play enough of those to make, I think it was 150, I think it was 150 when I started in 97. And then it became 200. And then as payouts were more, it became 250. Well, the truth of the matter is, uh, well, guess what? You didn't have to do that at Indiana. You paid people. It's never been level playing field. Never. I got to get this Jemco in there. Never. So don't act like the NIL was supposed to even out. Now, in theory, I could be at Bowling Green, and I could say, hey, look, 
let's get, I don't know, $5 million to give to a kid, and maybe I can beat a kid out from going to Ohio State. Maybe. Maybe. But that's not, that's not what is going to happen. So Saban's right. Look, they're brave. I've always said this, too. And I've always said players should get as much as players can get. But I've always said this. The brand matters. And I use Tyler Hansbrough as an example. Tyler Hansbrough was out playing in the NBA and in the G League. He was here in Indy, and they call he was an I-69 player. I-69 goes from Indianapolis up to Fort Wayne where the Mad Ants are. So guys would make that trip. Well, the truth of the matter is, Tyler Hansbrough, when the Final Four, uh, one of those years was in Glendale, Arizona, North Carolina was in it, and I was doing part of the coverage, man, Tyler Hansbrough jerseys were all over the place, 50 jerseys, Hansbrough on the back, North Carolina on the front, all over the place at the Final Four. You know how many they were in Indiana? You know how many they were in Fort Wayne? Indiana, there may have been some. He was a first-round pick, so I'm sure they sold some initially. But the Mad Ants, where Hansbrough ended up playing, they didn't sell a Tyler Hansbrough jersey. Why? Nobody cared. You can go play at Bowling Green. You can go be a great player. Your jersey's going to sell a little bit, but it ain't going to sell like Carolina. Football player ain't going to sell like Alabama. You can go to Indiana be a great player. It is not going to sell like it would at Alabama. Brand matters, man. Brand doesn't matter a little bit. Brand matters a lot of bit. I mean a ton. And the fact of the matter is, players should use that brand. Look, this is what I was told. Don't know if it's true. Got told this. I know the young lady. She is awesome. Awesome. Name is Montana Faust. Look her up. Softball player at Alabama. She's friends with my stepdaughter. She's been at our house. She is the best, the the best example of what a college student slash college athlete slash human being should be. Making a million dollars, I was told, at Alabama as a softball pitcher. Alabama brand matters. Indiana basketball brand, I think it matters. I do. So it's never been about, well, Bowling Green and, and Indiana and Kentucky and everybody's on a level. It's always, always. And Jay Billis has been really on this the whole time. I didn't even talk to Jay about this, but he's been so smart with it. He's like, okay, what are you doing? There is no level playing field. There is no we're on the same plane. There's none of that. Zero. Zip. Nada. None. Doesn't change with NIL. It just gets enhanced. What coaches are mad about, coaches that are, you know, trying their ass off, is that, you know, just don't just don't make this an open market of buying players. Now, why is that wrong? I don't know. Will it crush the sport? I don't think so. Not college football. Basketball, we're going to see. We're going to see a lot of changes to it. I got no problem with being an open market, but I've told you this forever. You see Trey Wallace on my broadcast? Trey gets to cover the SEC. You know what he gets to do? Go to great games. That's what he gets to do. My wife and I went down to uh, 
uh, went down to Alabama, Tennessee. I don't know who's getting paid what. I know Bryce Young was fun. I know when Alabama won, people were lighting up cigars. I know that the fraternity we went to across the street served a great, great freaking pulled pork lunch, and my fat ass sat there and drank beer and ate it. Probably told an off-color joke. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is it's not a level playing field. Never has been and won't be because of NIL. Actually, maybe the fact that Jimbo Fisher was able to buy, quote, I guess, Nick Saban, a recruiting class that's the best in the country, maybe that does level it out. Because I got to tell you, as great as Texas A&M is, as big a university, as fantastic a football program, it ain't Alabama. Under Nick Saban, anyway. Uh, We shall see what we shall see. Tonight, the All-Star game. Bet the National League. Yeah. Dan, why are you saying bet the National League? I don't know. Bet the National League. Have a great afternoon, everybody. If you want more of this washing over you, I'm available at 101075thefan.com. It's my local show. I'm going to do an homage to Juan Soto and Albert Pujols. I hope you have a great afternoon. Let's celebrate, like, I don't know. Let's pay attention to the people that are good. Let's not pay attention to the people that are rotten and trying to bring you down. That's good advice on a beautiful, and I do mean beautiful, Tuesday afternoon. Have a great afternoon, everybody.